Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. It's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is Inside Sports on 630 Chad. 8.05 is the time of the evening. Tomorrow's show, our guests will include an in-studio visit from Olympic bronze medalist Jen Kish picking up that bronze medal in the Rugby Sevens Tournament. I know a lot of you enjoyed watching that. I don't know if you were able to spot our next guest while you were watching the Olympics, but she was there and she was playing a very important role. I'm pleased to follow up on this story. It is Karen Lasuk who refereed women's basketball in Rio. Karen, welcome back to Inside Sports. You're on with Reed. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for making time for me uh, again. Your third appearance on the show. We've kind of uh, followed your, your your selection to the Olympics and your your preparation, and 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 now you're back. So uh, I'll start with with a general question. How do you how do you sum up this experience? Oh my goodness. Um, you know, I I don't even know if I can really find the words. I've been asked that a few times, and it's just. Just, it's absolutely amazing to be a part of something that big. How many games did you get to work? You know, I kind of lost track. It's <laughs> such a long darn tournament, but I think I did seven or eight, somewhere along those lines. All right, and what did you get for playoff games? I ended up doing um, a Serbia-Australia quarterfinal, which was fantastic. It was underdog beating the number one team by two points. Right. And I did the uh, USA-France semifinal. Well, what's it like? Because, I mean, the United States had lopsided uh, victories in, in most of their games. What's it like doing uh, one of their games? Does it, does it take on a different tone or a different vibe when one team gets that far ahead? Um, no, you know, not really. The one thing I find with the USA, they just um, they are just so deep uh, talent wise that um, they're just they're a pleasure to work because you just get to in my humble opinion, watch probably the best women basketball athletes in the world. Um, every one of them that comes off the bench on that particular team, they're just so, um, they're just outstanding. Right. So, uh, you know, we, we've talked a lot with you about you handling uh, tense situations on the court, sometimes using humor to diffuse that or, you know, sometimes just, uh, you know, having a quiet discussion with the coach or whatever. Is, 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 there, a, is there a tense situation that you can tell us about at, at the Olympics and how it went? Oh, yeah. Um, uh, I had uh, Australia a couple times, and the coach was a fairly intense gentleman. And um, there was one time in the game that uh, I'm standing right next to him, and he didn't like some play that happened. Literally, we were on one side lane, he and I, and we're looking across 
to the other side of the court and something happens over there and he starts yelling, hey, hey, he goes, da, 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 da. he's yelling about the call. That wasn't right. It should have been whatever. I go, coach. I go, oh, my God, you have fantastic eyes. I mean, I'm standing right here and I didn't see that. He goes, okay, okay, that's a good point. All right, you're probably right. I was probably a little far away. I go, yeah, I think so. And he just started laughing. He let it go. It was great. It was a great moment. Uh, it's so interesting the ability you have to make uh, coaches laugh or back off when they're 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 the most intense. But uh, as you've as you've as you've pointed out several times, sometimes yelling back or trying to escalate the confrontation is the worst thing a referee can do. Absolutely, that is something I learned the hard way. I used to kind of be like that myself. As again, I think I've said this before, I'm a bit of a fiery person. So um, that is a skill that I have had to learn and um, add into my game. And, and I'm telling you, um, I used that attribute that I'm lucky enough to have and have learned many times in the Olympics. And I had players who I watched get very upset with other colleagues of mine come to me after games because I dealt with them in a different manner, a much softer or with some, some humor, and came and thanked me after the game, even if they lost. It was, it was amazing. Karen Lasuk joining us on Inside Sports. She refed women's basketball at at the Olympics. Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit of. I mean, everybody talks about the athletes' village and all that kind of stuff. What what was it like there, being an official? I mean, you're kind of. Uh, I mean, and I, you know what I mean by this. People aren't there necessarily to see you, uh, and you kind Correct. of hope that you're not going to get noticed too much, right? So, <laughs> but what was it like for just being on the scene? Where were you staying? I mean, did you get to meet other people from other sports, any Canadians, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, we um, we are secluded. They keep us completely away from the athletes. Um, but we did have other um, other, they call them judges and so on, in our our particular hotel. Um, we had some of the golf uh, judges or whatever they call them. We had some wrestling guys. We didn't really get a chance to mingle much with each other. We were sort of one group would be coming in, one group would be coming out or going out to head out to their games or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, we were we were fairly far from our venues, but we were in a very nice area of Rio. We are right across from the Olympic uh, the golf Olympic um, venue. So a number of the officials, if they had a day off or whatever, would pop over there and, and go and walk the golf course with some of our golfers and, and whatnot. But um, it was, um, man, we were so well taken care of. We were so secure. There was never a fear of any of that. Um, and I tell you what, the Brazilians, the volunteers, they were just outstanding in our basketball venues um, in terms of greeting us, taking care of us, making sure we had food, water, anything we needed. They, they were just absolutely unbelievable. Did you get to go check out any sports on your off day? Like, did you go to I, golf or anything? I did. I went to uh, men's 10-meter platform diving, which was amazing. I got to watch our Canadian boys dive. Um, in a preliminary round, I went to ladies field hockey, which was really cool to see um, live. I went to men's um, quarterfinals in handball, and I've never seen that sport live. And I tell you what, I was I grew a new appreciation for a sport I've never had a chance to play. And I wished I was 30 years younger because, man, that looks like something <laughs> I could sink my teeth into. I'm telling you, the way they slam each other and throw each other to the ground, I'm like, oh my God, I could never appreciate this because I wouldn't know what to call. <laughs> 
It's crazy. Yeah. Okay. So that's cool. Now uh, you got to work a semifinal. Uh, yeah. What, what, did you? I mean, were you in the running to work the final? When did you find that schedule out and all that kind of stuff? Oh, you never. You know, you don't know. Everybody is is in the running. All thirty referees are. You just don't know how cards are going to play out. Um, you know, we would learn our assignments late each night. Um, sometimes as late as like midnight and you'd be like trying to keep an eye open to oh, wow. hear your email go off. Yeah. In case you had the morning game. And, um, it was just day by day and, you know, no one knows the rhyme or reason of who does what and whatever. Um, for me personally, I, I know that's how the international, uh, game works. It's not necessarily performance based. Sometimes it's depending on what team ends up where, et cetera, where your country is. Um, you know, whatever, maybe an official, they need that for their personal career, you know, cause it's, it's something that's going to help build them as an official. You just don't know what's going to happen. Um, and I knew that going in, but end of the day, when you get some playoffs, that's always a very good thing. Um, and you know, for me personally, I, it, what matters to me is in my heart, if I know that I ref the way Karen Sue can referee and I'm proud of my performance on the court, that's really, for me, that's my win. doesn't matter what game I get. All right, so uh, tell us what's next for you. Are you getting ready for the, the university season now, or what's going on? Yeah, um, we have um, our university season starting up here. We have a big tournament coming up uh, October 21-23 here in Edmonton, an 18 men's women's tournament. And um, we've got clinics starting. I'll be teaching some clinics starting next weekend, in fact, our college and our university level clinics will be starting and um and then i head off to uh, to my nca meetings um end of september where i do my training there to prepare for that season that will be starting november 1 all right so you're going to be incredibly busy uh, again working on both sides of the border which is really yeah. cool i just want to throw mm-hmm. one more at you you talk about working in clinics what 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 do you like most about working with young up-and-coming prospective referees what's an important lesson or two you try to teach them um i try to teach them the stuff that we kind of just talked about the um that as you're moving up the ranks and you're you're moving to the colleges and whatnot it's not about the balls and strikes that you can call on the court it's about managing people and how you handle and treat people on the floor and and doing it correctly with you know, like I said, what I've learned to do, I try to pass that on because that's how you gain mutual respect. And that's what the sport's about. You want to be respected when you step into the gym and they go, oh, we have so-and-so. And you want to maintain that relationship throughout the game so that um, everybody feels like they got a fair shot. They enjoyed you being on the floor with them and they want to see you again. And that's one of the main things I try to teach the young officials. Great stuff. Well, you had a great experience, Karen. Thanks for sharing it with us, not just tonight, but but the build-up to it as, uh, as well. And uh, I know there are more great things to come in, in your refereeing career, but certainly a big feather in your cap. You got to the, the, go to the Olympics. Again, thanks for joining us on Inside Sports. Really great story. Thank you very much. You have a great night. That is Karen Lasuk checking in tonight and back from... Real local basketball official doing incredibly well. And, yeah, what an experience she had in Brazil. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chad. You can text us at 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. We'll update you on the CFL game. We're going to bring in Evan Dom to talk a little uh, university football, a little CFL, a little NHL. All ahead on Inside Sports. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. 16-14, Ottawa 
leading Montreal. Fourth quarter action in the Canadian Football League tonight. A low scoring but close game. Four minutes left. Ottawa is deep inside Montreal territory looking to add to the lead. We'll let you know what happens tonight. No game for the Blue Jays today. They will play Tampa Bay tomorrow. Scott Gomez has retired after 1,079 games in uh, the National Hockey League. And, of course, Oilers players taking to the ice at Rogers Place today. Connor McDavid, the first guy out there. Uh, had interviews with Ryan Nugent, uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Mark Letestu. More on 630Ched.com. I got a text here from uh, the Big Swede who says, Reed, I can't believe you thought 56 points was a decent season for Nugent Hopkins with the money he's pulling in. He should be scoring 70 to 80 points a season. Well, I think when I use the word decent, uh, I'm not using the word good. Uh, that's how I use the word decent. Um Look, I th- as I said earlier, I-, I think Nugent Hopkins is a player who you say, uh, well, we need, a- we need a little bit more from him next season. I don't know if he's ever going to get 80 points. Maybe. Uh, is he perhaps a victim of his contract? Sure, possibly to some extent. Uh, he was offered it. He signed it. I don't begrudge him that. Uh, it- you know, Jordan Eberle sometimes in the same boat. He gets criticized for maybe being uh, a little overpaid. We'll see where they go. Evan Dom is in studio from uh, Canada West. He's the Associate Director of Communications and Marketing. He's a regular on this show, a longtime sports reporter as well, before getting involved with uh, with uh, Canada West. Uh, I mean, Nugent Hopkins, some injury-riddled seasons. That's not good. You hope that that uh, doesn't plague him again this season uh, his points points per game oddly enough came as a rookie so I think we're all kind of waiting for him to get back or to exceed that level he showed as a rookie when he got 52 and 62 yeah absolutely he was phenomenal in his rookie season and the expectations for a guy who was clearly drafted number one overall in the NFL or NHL draft were high and then you have that type of season right out of the gate and people think that you're only going to get better and your point totals are going to go up every single season and that's just not how it works and I mean, Oilers fans know this, and any fan knows this. Uh, Sometimes guys sign contracts that they don't live up to. I mean, there's been lots of guys who have done that in Oilers uniforms and all sorts of uniforms in the NHL. And, you know, thus far, you can say based on the money they paid him at a point in his career where they thought they were going to get, you know, good value for him down the road probably haven't uh, reached those expectations in terms of the the contract or his point production so um it's just not always going to work out and i think it's fair to criticize the approach um but that is the prevailing sort of thought process in the nhl now you have to sign guys at that stage if you think they're going to be big players down the road because otherwise you're going to pay through the roof the Oilers' power play generally has has not been good, while Nugent Hopkins has been here uh, as well. His rookie season, it was good, and he was contributing on that. Uh, certainly when, when Todd Nelson was the coach for half a season, it, it, it was better too. And look, that's going to hurt any forward, specifically Nugent Hopkins. So then you ask yourself, is the problem the players, that they aren't as good power play players that we thought they would be, or are there other flaws with the power play set up personnel you know there's never been a big point guy all that kind of stuff so you know maybe if the power play gets better this year maybe Nugent Hopkins and some other numbers go up that there's a question to be answered for sure and I mean when you look at the power play I think it's easy it's easy to look at the forwards and blame them for lack of point production because the the thought process is is that they'll be able to out outnumber guys down low and find ways to get pucks to the net and, and generate scoring chances but from my perspective, I mean, who have they had that's been a power play stud at the back end? 
nobody right they haven't had a defenseman who's been a point producing guy on the power play and in the new nhl that's where the points are generated from not necessarily goals and assists but that's where the plays generally start that create power play scoring chances a guy who can funnel the puck through you get a few bounces here and there guys chip it in someone who has good vision you always talk about quarterbacking the power play and if you have that big defenseman who can do that for you and especially somebody who has a big one-time shot who can get pucks quickly because then teams can't get in position then it gives you chances to generate scoring chances that otherwise you wouldn't they haven't had that guy so i think the offense hasn't come from the back end and and the numbers have haven't been there for the the up the forwards up front largely because of who they've been playing with who who's been manning the blue line on the the power play and they may not have that guy this year i mean it doesn't it doesn't look like it i mean there's some guys that can get chances and may improve over what they've shown previous in their careers but uh yeah i mean look they're not the only team missing it but uh no there's yeah, lots of teams hurts. missing it but that's the teams that have those guys are the teams that generally have good power play opportunities. And the other thing is, is, is you can have a defenseman. Uh, I mean, we always talk about goaltending being the core of the team. And if you don't have a good goaltender, you have no chance. But it, it's it's a hierarchy. It's goaltending, it's defense, and it's your forwards. And their goaltending has been subpar for the majority of this span over the last decade. And their defense has been horrendous. So that trickles down all the way to the forwards, and those guys aren't going to get the same points that maybe they should be if their defensemen are of higher caliber. So I think that's where it starts and ends for the Oilers this year is how good is their defense going to be. Evan Dom joining us in studio from uh, Canada West. We're going to talk a little bit Canada West football, hockey, as we move along tonight. I was in Rogers Place again today, Evan. I saw the tweets from all the, I was the media tweeter. folk yeah, well, who were there people, checking it out. Gene Prince was there, Terry Jones. That's hot stuff. Jim Matheson, Vanish Pratap. little skating around with the old uh, track pants and jersey. He yeah. had a lid on. That was good. Well, you have to be safe and wear a helmet. It was a, obviously a very low-impact skate, given the circumstance and the fact that there were uh, minor hockey players out on the ice. i got to say, I mean, the rink, is it, it looks spectacular. I, I'm, I'm impressed every time I go in. And, as I, and I said this, when you're in the bowl area except for the fact that they took out the visitor's bench so we could go down there and, and do our interviews and shoot. I mean, it looks like there could be a game in it tonight if you really needed to play one. It looks phenomenal from what I've seen. I haven't had the opportunity to be in the building yet, but all the photos um, are impressive, and quite frankly, they should be um, based on the price tag and the fact that it hasn't even opened its doors. It should blow people's socks off because it's not old hat yet and uh, you know it's not 20 years old so there's no question that it it should be impressive and that it'll be a great venue for the Oilers and for a variety of different events in Edmonton and a good showcase of you know that particular part of downtown as well and it hasn't been without its challenges and um, you know sort of drawbacks for for certain communities and those type of things but as terms as just purely as a facility it looks phenomenal and it should be. You stick around, buddy. We got a lot to talk about. That's all I got, Reed. I'm out of here. I'll yeah, see you later. You're just giving us seven solid minutes. All right. In Tech 630-630, this uh, unnamed texture says, Reed, Nugent Hopkins, Hall, Everly were offered ridiculous money by a management group that didn't know anything about signing contracts. That management group set the sights high for these players, but they were also trying to convince fans that these players were more elite than they were by offering those contracts. Follow me? Well, yes, I exactly follow you. You laid out your argument quite logically. Uh, keep the text coming to 630-630. Quick break for the news. More with Evan Dom.
Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, 1914, Ottawa is going to beat Montreal here in the CFL tonight. They're in the final 30 seconds, and uh, Ottawa is now going to run out the clock. Reed Wilkins with you inside Sports on 630 Chet. Thanks for tuning in tonight. This portion of the show brought to you by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. Oh, I got a tweet a little while ago from, uh, I think it was from Bruce. Uh, was it Bruce? Yeah, Bruce. Uh, Reed, what do you think of Saskatchewan adding Khalif Mitchell to their roster? Well, quite frankly, I think it's a desperate move by a, a desperate team. I, I mean, look, I think players and human beings deserve second chances. Uh, there are certainly examples of that in, on, in the Edmonton sports scene, Oilers and Eskimos-wise, going back decades, if you want to go back that far. Um, for, for my mind, though, Khalif Mitchell has already had two or three chances in the CFL. And, I mean, this isn't a recent example for the Oilers. Zach Cassian had substance abuse issues. Uh, he got treated. He's still a relatively young man. Uh, you hear him talk about those things. He, he knows he's had things to get over. He's trying to deal with them. The Oilers have given him another chance. Uh, I doubt he would get another one with the Oilers if, if he slips, and I'm not saying he's going to, just hypothetically. Um that, now, that's a substance abuse issue. Unfortunately, that's something people in all walks of life deal with. Khalif Mitchell has said and tweeted some stuff that's, quite frankly, really, really dumb and really, really racist. And to me, there's a... And he's done it more than once, and he's kind of already on his third chance. So, to me, he's sort of out of chances already. But Saskatchewan wants to give him one. Yeah, when I saw this news come across the wire... I just shook my head, right? It's just another sad chapter in what has been a very pathetic season for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And, you know, you talk about a guy like Zach Cassian who has some personal issues that he's worked through. See, the issue with me with Khalif Mitchell and people who do things of that nature, and, and when I say do things of that nature, I mean basically hate speech. Right. Um, not basically. It, it was hate speech, and, you know, he's a Holocaust Denier, or he he tweeted things to that effect, and that's just disgusting and inexcusable. Is he consciously made the uh, the decision to basically disseminate that information and put his name beside it? It's not a it's not the same sort of issue as a substance abuse issue with an individual. He had the power to look at that and say that is hogwash, that's garbage, but. Instead, he decided to put his name beside it. So I have absolutely no sympathy for the guy. It is a desperate move by the Riders. The other thing is, is he's not in the prime of his career. It's not right. like they're bringing in a guy who's guaranteed to make a difference. And now that shouldn't make that shouldn't make or break whether you bring a guy in. It would be nice if a team just said, you know what, this guy is a wingnut. We don't want anything to do with him. He could be a stud football player, but we're gonna we're not even gonna have him on our radar. But They've decided to bring him in, and I just don't understand it. And, you know, it's just like I said, it's just another thing on the long list of 
really confusing and frustrating things if you're a Saskatchewan Rough Rider fan from this season. 836 Inside Sports on 630. Chad Evan Dom uh, in studio. He is with the uh, Canada West Conference. Canada West football starts tonight. Has yeah. already started tonight. Opener right now in uh, Winnipeg at Investor Group Field. Calgary's taken on uh, Manitoba 22-11 for the Dinos in the fourth quarter there. So they're trying to pick up where they sort of left off last year, undefeated in the regular season before they lost in the Hardy Cup. All right, so. and uh, U of A running back Ed Elnicki is going to join us in about 10 minutes. They're uh, going to UBC. Yeah, they have UBC, the defending Vanier Cup champions, on Saturday night um, against the Thunderbirds. So that'll be an interesting one. It'll be very interesting. UBC's lost a lot of key guys on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, they're they're still going to be very good offensively with Michael O'Connor at quarterback, who I think will play in the CFL and be a starting quarterback, potentially. There's not much hype around him, and he has that type of ability. Um, He's a guy who was recruited to go to Penn State, decided not to, and then eventually wound up at UBC. But um, big game for the Bears and the Thunderbirds Saturday night, and it's going to be a wild season in the conference. All right. Now, including a pretty special event on... uh October 1st. What's going on then? Yeah, October 1st. So Saskatchewan will go into Regina, and they are playing the first ever football game at New Mosaic Stadium. So uh, substantial completion on on New Mosaic was this week, so that means the the vast majority of things are in place. And uh, just like here in Edmonton with Rogers Place, the media got a big tour of it, and the photos coming out of there um, are phenomenal. So there'll be 16,500 seats available for that game, so that's half the capacity. And they are very, very close to sold out, if not sold out. Uh, not an official sellout yet, but uh, we anticipate that that news will come out in the next couple of days that they have sold all 16,500, and that will uh, break the record for largest crowd in Canada West history. That was previously held by Manitoba when they opened Investor Group Field, just over 10,000 there when the Bears actually played against the Bison. So very excited about that event, and obviously Rider Nation loves their football, and they uh, are just chomping at the bit to get a look at that facility. What's an average crowd for a Canada West football game? You know, depending on the venue, Saskatchewan draws very well. Griffith seats just over 5,000 roughly and, you know, it's not uncommon for them to sell out and if they don't sell out, they're very close. Um, you know, other places, depending on the weather, you could look at 1,500. So an average crowd across the entire conference, you're probably looking at 2,500 to 3,000 people um, in the stands and in the smaller facilities like Thunderbird Stadium, uh, Foot Field, Griffith Stadium, um, the atmosphere is quite good if you get about 2,000 to 2,500 people in the stands. Um, and then obviously in some other facilities like uh, McMahon down in Calgary and, and Mosaic in Regina and Investors Group in Winnipeg, but to a lesser extent, not quite the same atmosphere just because of the size of the stadium. Got a text here from Russ. I have to read this. He says, cocky, are we? You talk trash about Saskatchewan. Don't forget how fast your team could be in that spot. Can well, I tell it's, him? Yeah, it's, it's, that's irony right there. Uh, Russ, Evan Dom is a Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan. They've been brutal. They've been brutal. I've watched every game, and they have been just, they've been pathetic. I mean, there's no way around it. A couple of years ago, they were phenomenal. I mean, you win the Grey Cup, you have to have a good team. And they did all everything right. And this year, they just have not. Yeah, that's sports, Russ. Just, just some years you're good, and eventually it. you're going to be bad. And some years you're bad, and eventually you're going to be good. Sometimes it takes longer for uh, some teams than others. But That's funny. I but, love uh, that. That's uh, Well, hey. I guess I hide my allegiance as well. That's good. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess good for you. No one knows that uh, I'm a huge uh, McMaster Marauder fan or something like that. You, you could never know. 
Uh, not for the record, but I could be. Yeah, you could be. You never know. You could you could just randomly like Hamilton Universities, Hamilton post sure. post secondary. Uh, isn't Ancaster College? Isn't that somewhere else? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, October uh, September twenty first, the Oilers rookies are going to play the Golden Bears. Uh, that's been a pretty important game in Edmonton for a long time. There was a bit of, of a hiatus for the series. What what is that? I mean, like the Golden. It's not as if the Golden Bears don't get exposure. The Golden Bear hockey program is is still very relevant here um, in Edmonton. They their draw often depends on the opponent more more than anything else. But what does that game mean for for, for Canada West and exposure? Well, it's huge for the university. It's huge for the the Bears hockey program, and it's big for the conference as well. It's a premier event for us. I mean, when you draw. I mean, they pack over 3,000 people into Claire Drake Arena, and they, they're they hanging them from all over the place just to get bodies in. It's tremendous atmosphere. It's uh, great hockey, and obviously it has a tie-in with the Oilers, and, and people in Edmonton are crazy about that team and, and everything to do with them. So it brings some, some good buzz to the program, to the university, um, to the campus, and to the conference by extension. So it's it's phenomenal. I've had the chance to go to... Well, lots. I've been to, I was at every single one from 1995 to 2005, and I've been to the last several, um, including last year at Rexall Place, which was a different feel. But it's big from an atmosphere standpoint and, and an exposure standpoint. But the biggest part of it is it's a phenomenal fundraiser for the hockey program for for the athletic department at the university i mean when you can get that gate and get people buying popcorn and beer and whatever else uh, that's a huge boost to them and it goes a long way for that program uh i mean you're you do communications and marketing for canada west and and to me that's a challenging title because ever since i've been a kid i've always heard well canadian university sports is great but they don't market it well or, or you know, why don't people pay more attention to it? That's it. I'm probably going to hear that for the next 40 years of my life, or however however long I'm around. But um, wh- how do you market something that that has an adamant following, but generally among a smaller percentage of the of the population? Do you, do you just try to attract them to big events, or what can you do? That's a big part of it, Reed, and that's I mean that that has to be the cornerstone of, of any organization, sport organization in this country that isn't the National Hockey League, to an extent the CFL, and recently, but not always, the Toronto Blue Jays. I mean, they haven't always had a great following. Um, it's it's waned when they struggled. But we have to be an event-driven conference. We have to be an event-driven uh, organization in terms of our, our marketing and bringing people into the building. You're not going to get 3,000 people um, 14 times a year to watch university hockey i don't think that is necessarily realistic now can you bump the number up in the average crowd absolutely that's the goal but really in order to do that you have to have your hallmark events that you can hang your hat on and know people are going to come out to so the rookie game is obviously one in edmonton in calgary they have the crowchild classic when they play at the saddle dome in mount royal and the dinos play uh, a double header men's and women's hockey and they get over ten thousand people out to that that's something you can hang your hat on. The Hardy Cup, when you're in a place like Saskatoon or you know UBC, those smaller places where you're going to jam the stands, it's going to look great on TV and the atmosphere is going to be phenomenal. Those are the events that you need to really build your calendar around and, and be innovative and try new things as well down the road. But in order to generate that buzz, um, you have to do it around some big events. And we, we look at the CFL, there are... If you want to get down to it, there are a couple of weekends on the calendar that you circle and you build your calendar around, your, your schedule around, if you're the league and if you're a fan. Mm-hmm. Starts at Grey Cup, 
and at the other end, it's Labor Day. Mm-hmm. I mean, from Labor Day to Great Cup is when the season really he- heats up, and those are going to be sort of your your two uh, key moments in the season that everybody's going to be paying attention and looking back on, and, and opening week and those type of things are secondary. Um, and, I mean, even the West Final and, and the Semifinal and, and those type of things, I think, are secondary in a lot of markets to Labor Day. Um, so you have to do that because it's not the NHL. You can't have 41 nights a year where everybody's going to jam the building, and that's just not realistic. So you have to take a bit of a different approach. Uh, certainly a lot's going on. I mean, every, every is every Canada West game available online now, video-wise? Volleyball, basketball, hockey, and football, and the majority of our soccer games and, and all our championship events, so track and field, swimming, wrestling, those type of things. And that's part of it, too. I mean, university sport over the years has been just basically begging the mainstream media to come out and put their games live or on, on television or on radio and, and the reality is is that technology has given us the opportunity to do that ourselves and there's a lot of growing pains and we need to get way better and anybody who has watched games on Canada West TV knows that we need to get better but they'll also see that over the last couple of seasons things have improved and uh, there's more of an investment being made every single season into that so we can showcase ourselves we still need mainstream media we still need read the read Wilkins of the world and the sports nets and those type of things our partner Shaw um, you know we need people like that but at the same time we can do a better job of showcasing ourselves and then hopefully there's a trickle down effect from that as well all right Evan Dom in studio from the Canada West Conference we'll talk to a Canada West athlete he's a good one Ed Ilnicki running back for the U of A Golden Bears when we get back Hey, this is Jordan Everly from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. tuning in tonight. It's 849 Inside Sports on 630. Chad, really appreciate that you are tuning in. I'm in studio with Evan Dom, Communications and Marketing with Canada West, and we're pleased to be joined on the line by U of A Golden Bears running back Ed Ilnicki. Ed, welcome back to the show, man. How have you been? Good, Reed. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, how was, uh, how was your summer? I, I guess it, it doesn't last quite as long as uh, for some university athletes, because you're back hard at work and you've been in camp for a few weeks already. Yeah, it, com- it comes really quick. You know, we were out in Montreal in in May for East-West, and then we came back, and it was right getting back into that routine of training. And then a couple months flew by, and we're right into it in camp in August. So we started early this year, but we got a lot of great work done, um, was, able, was able to get a lot of good mental work done, get our new system put in place, and... And we're out to BC on Saturday, so it's really exciting. I last talked to you before you were going to go to that East-West game. I mean, some really top players there. How did it go? How do you feel you did? It was a lot of fun. Um, for me, the best part about it was getting to experience what that environment's like, where you're just in this high-talent group. And I think that's what Tyler and Dre, my two teammates, who we got to go, who we traveled, who I traveled with. And I, it's just this, such a competitive competitive environment but there's also this element of learning where we're trying to get a wrap around okay what's the next steps what are the next pieces of our game that we need to get together what are the things that i need to take away from this experience that if i want to play at that next level what do those things look like and what do i have to do to get better Ed Evendon from Canada West. Uh, looking back, I remember when you were at Spruce Grove and you were a high school standout there and highly recruited out of that program. Looking back at the last several seasons at the U of A, obviously you guys have been close to making the playoffs but haven't quite got over that hump. Um, 
do you think, you know, what does that sort of tell you about yourself that, that you chose out of high school, you chose a program you knew was going to be going through a rebuilding process? And I, I don't want to say do you have any regrets because you've had some great seasons at the U of A and, and obviously things are, are moving in the right direction. But looking back on that decision, uh, do you look back at it as a positive one? And, and what are your thoughts going into this year, um, obviously, with your guys' eyes on the playoffs? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely a positive experience. Definitely something that it's great to reflect on and to look back and to say it it seemed like it didn't seem like that big of a decision at the time. It it was just, okay, I know I want to go play CIS ball. Where, where, where does that going to take me? What does that factor in? Like, where, where do I want to go to school? What do I want to study? It, It seems like it was something so small, but now looking at it and looking at what we've been able to build in terms of a culture within our locker room and, getting to help coach morris build everything that we've put together our the structure of our off season what our academic program is starting to look like looking back on all of those things it's just it's fantastic to look back on it and it seems just it doesn't seem like three and a half years ago that i signed on that i signed that loi and and committed to this but yeah it's something that it was it was a fantastic choice and it's something that i can't imagine being anywhere else at this point Ed, a tough opener, obviously, against uh, UBC. How are you guys uh, approaching this game? Tell us a little bit about the challenges they present. Yeah, I mean, they've got some standout athletes across the board. They're bringing back, you know, they've got the attitude. They've got, they've got all every piece of confidence that you need to play well in the Canada West. And I think, and we know that they had, they had a tough game with uh, Manitoba, a good preseason matchup for them. So they're going to come back firing right out of the gates. It's going to be huge for their their home opener they're gonna have a big crowd there and we know we just have to go in there and know that they're gonna make some plays but we've got some guys that we've brought in and some guys that are here and have developed over the long term that we can go toe-to-toe with these guys and if we bring it every single play if we do our film work if we know what kind of looks we're gonna get from them and as long as we're prepared in that aspect that yeah okay they're gonna make a play here and there because they've got some they've got some guys that can play ball but if we stick with them through the long run, I really like our chances. And I think our entire group, it's a, it's a different sense in the locker room than it has been the last couple of years, for sure. And looking at the rest of the conference, uh, obviously UBC comes in with some, some high expectations after winning the Vanier. Calgary's always good. Saskatchewan's expected to be good. Brian Doby does a great job at Manitoba. Uh, but it doesn't seem to be quite as top-heavy as it has been in past seasons. Does that impact your guys' mentality going into the year, knowing that not necessarily that those other teams will be uh, easier than they have been in the past but you guys might have closed the gap a bit i think it just makes it so exciting to say that every single week in the can west no matter who you line up against it's going to be a really good game and i think that's the best part about playing in the can west and that's why i think it's the best conference in of football in the country because every single team's got a shot against everybody else and that means that there's no easy games there's no there's no trap games for everybody. It's everybody comes with, comes, shows up and brings it 100% every single time. So you're going out there and you're playing against the best players in the country and you don't have, you have to bring 100% effort, 100% focus and be so well mentally prepared that you leave no doubt in your mind that you put your best product on the field every single, every single play you get. Well, Ed, we know you do that, and you're always a great interview as well. So thanks for catching up with us here on Inside Sports. We'll be following your game on uh, set. And when's the, when's the first home game? We play September 9th. We have University of Saskatchewan here in Edmonton, and it's going to be crazy. It's going to be a ton of fun. <laughs> Ed, thanks so much for your time, Ed. Yeah, thank you, Reed. I appreciate it. Thank you, Evan. That is Ed Ilnicki checking in tonight, running back for the U of A Golden Bears. Outstanding interview. He's a great kid. The show. He's yeah. a great kid. I, re- I remember when I was at the Journal and I had the high school football beat, and... 
Uh, I interviewed him at Clark Park after a game, and I was like, wow, this guy's actually in an interview, and he's a high school athlete. And, not, you know, it's, it's a rarity to, to come across a kid who's 17 or 18 years old and can handle himself for five or six minutes talking to a stranger about football or whatever else. And uh, I was just struck by how mature he was. And he's a leader on that program. He's the type of guy that Chris Morris wants to, to build his uh, team around. And he's great off the field and he's great on the field. Second in rushing last year in the conference. He's phenomenal. All right. So CanadaWest.org is the website. And how do you, how do they check out Canada West TV? Yeah, CanadaWest.tv can check out the games. Uh, early bird pricing on our passes until September 9th. So get a bit of a deal. Early bird pricing? Yes. Sounds good. It's you like got to love the early bird. <laughs> Gets the, the worm. worm or something. Yeah, something, <laughs> something along like those that. lines. Evan, thanks for coming in. Anytime, Reed. CFL tonight. Ottawa beat Montreal 19-14. Blue Jays back at it tomorrow. Eskimos play Monday in Calgary, 11.30 a.m. for the pregame show, 1 o'clock for the kickoff. Besides from Ed Elnicki and Evan Dom, you heard from international basketball official Karen Lasuk, Mike Miller from your Eskimos, Bo Levi Mitchell, quarterback for the Calgary Stampeders. From the Oilers, you heard from Ryan Nugent-Hopkins and Mark Letestu. Go to 630Ched.com to read more about Rogers' place and get video of that first skate today. Pretty cool stuff. Dave Campbell is the producer of the show. The studio producer this evening is Kellen Kennedy. Thanks to everybody who listened. Thanks to all of you who took the time to text in as well. My name is Reed Wilkins. Jen Kish, Olympic bronze medalist on the show tomorrow. That's going to be fun. Have a great night. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.